0: Man, all right. Thank you so much for that. We're in Judges chapter six tonight. Judges chapter six. <coughs> Grateful to have some of uh, Brother Wes's family in tonight. Glad to have you guys here. I want to make mention uh, Friday evening at uh, we're going to have our fireworks, hot hot dog, water outreach as we have every year before. It will be a little different this year rather than going out and trying to put it in people's hands. won't be quite as aggressive because of the, of the uh, different uh, standards people have this year. We will have a sign there and we'll have it available, so we probably won't get quite as many. Yes, sir. Uh, Saturday. Saturday. Yes, Saturday. Sorry about that. Saturday night. We'll meet there around 8 o'clock, have some fellowship. Fireworks is about uh, 10, but we'll have hot dogs there and water for you as well if you come and uh, pray that we'll get some tracks in people's hands there. Come and join us for that if you can. We're in Judges chapter 6. Gideon has just protested that God cares. Uh, We talked about that last week. Uh, Can you imagine when God comes to him and Gideon is trying to tell him in three complaints, he said, God, I'm not convinced you care about us. Essentially, he questioned the justice of God. He said, why then is all this befallen us? Uh, He uh, blamed God for Israel's troubles. You know, we'll never solve our problems until we come to grips with the real cause of our problems, which is most often our own selves. Blaming God will never bring solutions. And then he questioned the power of God. Where are all his miracles, which the fathers told us of? Because of the Midianites, Gideon decided that God uh, lacked the power to bring deliverance to them. This is a common mistake that we make. We conclude that if God is not willing, then God is not able. And uh, that is not the case is never that God is not able. Sometimes he's not willing, and we then translate that into our lives until he's unable. But uh, that's, so that's what he's just gotten done with. The Lord moves right into the call of Gideon where we start this evening. Uh, verse number 14 is where we're going to uh, start. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. Uh, pretty, pretty uh, I don't know, pretty brave to, to make those uh, accusations of the Lord And I I just find it interesting God never answers them. He just goes right into the call. All right, whatever, Gideon. So this is what I need you to do, verse number 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, that thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid, and unleavened cakes of epaph of, uh, of flour, the flesh he put in a basket. And he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. The angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon its rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up a fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Uh, I mean, does he need more than that? Uh, touch it with his uh, staff, and poof, it goes up in smoke. Uh, I guess our modern, our, our modern way of handling this would be a mic drop, <laughs> and he departs, he said. That's pretty much all you need, okay? And that's, uh, that's what we'll be talking about in these, this passage tonight. Father, I pray you'd help us. As we look at the call of Gideon, we see some of his responses. And uh, Father, pray that you'd help us to, as always, find ourselves in this story, we pray in Jesus' name. I want to look at the particulars of the call starting out here. Gideon's call involved some basic principles that are found in every call to service that's given by God. Now, we are all, just so we state this uh, kind of as a baseline, we are all in the ministry in some way. As, uh, as children of God, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, Paul tells us, he tells he wasn't telling preachers, he was telling the church uh, to be Uh, to to be mindful of their vocation that we have. And so we are all given a call by God, the Great Commission uh, specifically, and then generally areas in our life as well. But I want to look at four aspects of Gideon's call that have application today. First of all, looking at the personalness of the call, if that's a word, I'm going to use it. Uh, The Lord looked upon him and said, go, this is Gideon's selection God looked at him, he points his finger right at Gideon, he personalized the call. It made sure that uh, Gideon understood it was him that God was talking to God speaks to you, Uh, you'll usually know it. uh, He has a way of communicating that to us. God has a plan for you. Each and every person in this room tonight, and uh, we have young people in here, understand this, God has a specific plan for your life. He wants to use you in greater ways than you can imagine, and he will do so if we just give ourselves to him. Uh, so he doesn't want you to reside in the dark about it. He doesn't want to be confused about it. So he will make his will known to you. Now, we, are, uh, we, we go through this in discipleship, the general will of God and the specific will of God. Uh, we, there's, both of them are very important. Uh, the general will of God is what's the same for everyone. Uh, that's not what we're so much interested in. We are interested in the specific will of God. I remember in Bible college, it was one of our most talked about topics. What is God's will for me? What am I going to do with my life? Where's, where's God going to put you? Where's he going to put me? We want to know what God's will is for us specifically because we're inherently selfish. But there, are, there is a lot of things in the Bible that are the general will of God uh, that we need to be faithful to. And I really believe that if we are not faithful in obeying God's general will, we will not have His specific will communicated to us as it would if we're faithful to Him. So you focus on the general, I'm talking about going to church, reading your Bible, being faithful in your prayer, being faithful to your family, you know, just uh, don't steal the Ten Commandments, just doing right, just living holy lives, doing God's general will for everyone, and He'll make your specific will known. So, the personalness, and then the priority of the call. Uh, the, the, the two things here directed uh, or dictated that this call should be given a top priority in Gideon's life here uh, is the character of the call. Look at what it says go. That's how he started it. Go. This is a command, uh, it's not a suggestion, it's not an option. Uh, those who would serve God and serve God well better recognize that their call is more than a recommendation. I've had, I don't know how many people have told me in uh, the course of my ministry that, that witnessing isn't my gift. Witnessing isn't a gift. Witnessing, witnessing is a command. That's a command of God. Go. And uh, by the, that incidentally starts with that same word, too go. And to all the world, preach the gospel. We are to be, uh, we, we need to recognize those commands that we are to obey. Uh, it's a command that get, comes from God, uh, it demands great priority. Uh, There's commands. Let me just go through a few as we talk about the general will of God today, the commands that we need to obey. Repent is one of them. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Follow me is another command given in the Bible. Uh, Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, or let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Rejoice. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Uh, let your light shine, Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Uh, forgive, Matthew 18.22. Uh, Jesus told, it, told them in that verse to, to forgive not only seven times, but 70 times seven. We are to forgive. It's a command. By the way, that command comes with it. Uh, a, a penalty for not doing it is that God does not forgive us if we don't forgive others. The very important command. Uh, do not lust, Matthew 5:28 through30. Keep your word. Matthew 5:37. Let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whomsoever uh, is more uh, than these, com- for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter five, to go the second mile. That's a command. Love your enemies. Also Matthew 5:44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. He goes on. Uh, lay up treasure in heaven, Matthew chapter 6. This is a command that was given to us. Pray, uh, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. Give, Luke six thirty eight uh, talks about give. Of course, that's one of many verses. But there's commands all throughout the Bible. And the fact that, the, that they, where they come from, which is our next point here, the, the character of the command, but then there's also the communicator of the call here, the command. Uh, God gives the command, we ought to put a high priority on that call, that command. Uh, Look who communicated. It says, have not I sent thee. There is no higher authority than God. By the way, the angel of the Lord that visited Gideon here was God. This verse makes that clear when it says, the Lord said, go, have not I sent thee. The rank of the one giving the commands dictates the priority of the command. That's the way it is in our life. Uh, it, we we understand that on the on the job site, we understand that in the home. Uh, if uh, my kids understand that very well, a command from one of their siblings does not carry near the weight as a command from one of their parents. All right. In fact, command from one of their siblings carries no weight at all uh, because it's the uh, the rank of the one giving the command is. What adds weight to it? Well, God's the one giving the command here. God's the one that gives your call in your life. And so it's a tragic thing that few people put the kind of priority that should be put on the calls of God on their life. We prioritize all kinds of things in our life that will not last for eternity. They might not even last for five years. It might not last at all. We prioritize these things. We need to get that straightened out. If we're going to do great things for God in our life, He commands us uh, that we, uh, His commands ought to hold a high priority in our life. If Gideon is going to deliver Israel, he's got to make this his main emphasis. He's got to rank up high, and it's the same for us. Now look at the power for the call here. Look at what God told him. Go in this thy might. The might that Gideon is going to go in is not his own. It's the strength that God gave him. We're going to find that out. You know the story. Uh, God whittles his army down to where he's got nothing. So it's going to be very obvious, the might that Gideon wins with. This, thy might. What is the this referring to in thy might? It comes from verse 12, when God said, the Lord is with thee. That's the this in Gideon's might. Uh, His might comes from the same place our might comes from. Our strength comes from the Lord. Uh, thankfully, we do not have to serve God in our own power. That would be, uh, we would be woefully inadequate to be able to do that. We don't, we can't serve in our own power. Have you ever tried to, to, to whatever area of service you're in, if you try to do, teach a Sunday school class, work on a bus route, work VBS, uh, go to camp for a week, things like going to camp for a week like I just did, all right? Uh, do those things in your own power and you run out. You burn out. You get frustrated. we got to have the Lord's power in serving Him. The weak, as Paul said in Philippians 4.13, can say, uh, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Through the power of God, the weakest can become the strong by letting God work through them. Again, we've said it often. It's kind of a tagline here, but God is not interested so much in what you can do for Him as what He can do through you. Let him work through you. All right, then we look at the promises with the call. Now, Gideon received three encouraging promises with, this, with his call. Now, God oftentimes does not, you know, a lot of times we by faith have to do what he says, but many times he attaches promises to them. Uh, and here he did attach some promises. By the way, if you are obedient to God's command, it won't be long before you start to recognize many promises that are attached to them. Look at what they say, verse 14. Thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Uh, The second promise, verse 16, Thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Verse uh, 16 gives also the third promise, I will be with thee. Now the first two promises had to do with the success of his mission. The last promise has to do with the presence of God. Now I can just tell you because we're people, And Gideon was a people. Uh, We're more concerned with the parts of the promises that we'd be more interested in the first two, is what I'm trying to say. Our victory than we are with the third one, the presence of God. But we had better understand as a Christian just how important that part of God's promise to us is, His presence with us. He'll not leave us nor forsake us. Moses was given a similar uh, promise in the wilderness. In Exodus 33, 14, God told him, My presence shall go with thee. And I will give thee rest. Now, here's God promising two things, uh, and just so you understand the words, the, He's He's uh, He's promising presence with a T, and He's promising presence with a C. He's promising gifts and His presence. Uh, so Moses quickly proved uh, which he thought was the most important promise in Exodus. Uh, the next verse, thirty-three, fifteen: If thy presence go not with me. Carry us not up from here. Now that's interesting to me, because Moses—that's a lot of spiritual maturity—speaking there. Because we are more often worried about what God can do for us than the fact that He is with us. Moses recognized His presence was more important than His than His presence with a T, right? Get you all confused there. It's easier when you read it, <laughs> but uh, uh, His presence, His presence with us, is better than His gifts that He gives us. Our attitude should be the same. Now, what did Gideon do? Gideon, when God first came to him, Gideon protested God's care. Now he's going to protest God's call. Uh, Just like Moses did years before when God wanted him to deliver Israel and he protested it, now Gideon's going to protest it too. Look at verse 15. O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon's two excuses for objecting to this call that God's giving him. Look at the first one, he lacked fortune. He says, my family is poor. Israel's problem was not something that money could solve. I, I think it's interesting that Gideon points that out. He has His family is poor. Not as many problems as we think can be solved with money. Now, we, we automatically go to that. Our government does, don't they? I mean, the first thing they do is throw money at it. And a lot of times we think that too. Matter of fact, your problem, if it can be solved by money, you don't have very big problems. Because m- most problems cannot be solved with simple, simply with money. Think of a lot of things money can't solve. Can't do anything about your sin problem. Money can buy you a house, but not a home. Money can buy you a bed, but it can't buy you sleep. Money can buy you a clock, but it can't get you any more time. Money can buy a book, but not knowledge. Money can buy food, but you cannot purchase an appetite if you don't have it. Uh, Money can can buy you friends, but it can't buy you love. The Bible constantly reminds us of the futility of money and mammon and that it is not the answer. Gideon could not have solved Israel's problem with money. He needed more than money. He needed God. And guess what God just told him? He'll be with him. So this is a, this is a wasted excuse, not a valid protest. The second uh, thing that reason he gave, he lacked fame. He said, he's a least in my father's house. Gideon says you he hear is a low man on the totem pole. He has no status. He has no rank. He has no position. He was not a VIP, certainly not an MVP. He was a nobody. I like what Joseph Parker says about this: We need not be socially great to be spiritually useful. Aren't you glad for that? We don't have to be socially great to be spiritually useful. That's another truth that's hard to learn in our churches. We often treat certain people almost like celebrity Christians. Uh, even the it's a it's a, a temptation for pastors when they bring speakers into you know, try to get names or try to, uh, we we do that. We make celebrities in the church and and in the the greater uh, church uh, collection. But we need men of faith, not men of fame. As Gideon here, he could be a man of faith, and he was a man of faith. In fact, he ended up in Hebrews chapter 11, so we know that Gideon did some things right. And uh, faith was what's essential in his life. Faithfulness was essential, not fame, which he brought up here. So why did Gideon protest? He protested for the same reason we do. His focus was not on what God was, but on what he was. Not on what God could do, but on what he might do or was able or unable to do. And when we look at things that way, we're always going to come to the same conclusion that Gideon did, I can't do it, because we can't, if we look at what our capabilities are one of the favorite dad phrases I give my kids all the time. Whether you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. It's really, where do we put our trust? Where do we put our faith? Where do we get our strength to do things? Without God, we're worthless. We're useless. We're weak. We're unable. Psalm 127, 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. But God, if He is involved in the deliverance, and he just said he was, then Gideon has no legitimate protest that he can bring to him. The same thing Moses. Of course, God had to get through Moses as well. Look at, thirdly, the confirmation in the call. Uh, Gideon's starting to get it, starting to work through. Unbelief is fading. Faith is growing. The longer that Gideon talked to his visitor here, the more he began to listen. Now he decided he wants to confirm, confirm the fact. Look at verse 17. Uh, He said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Now, we would typically look at sign asking as an evidence of unbelief, would you not? In the New Testament, Jesus talked about those who require a sign. And uh, a lot of times it is connected to unbelief. But I don't believe here that this request was a sign of doubt because he did not say, Show me a sign that what you say is true. He says, show me a sign that thou talkest to me. So there's a big difference in those two requests there. The first one demonstrates unbelief. The second one wants to make sure you could say that this experience is real, that the source of the message is divine, that it comes from God. Gideon is no longer arguing with what was said. He now simply wants to confirm the source of what he's heard. One commentator put it this way, he sought a sign to satisfy himself that his senses were not deceiving him and that the angel was not a mere phantom called up by heated imagination. The principle, I believe, behind this request we can find in the New Testament, in 1 John 4, one: try the spirits whether they be of God because many false prophets are going out into the world. We need to verify the truth. We need to expose error. And Gideon here does not... Uh, is not wanting a sign for the message, but for the messenger that he is getting it from God himself. Uh, The devil loves to deceive us into believing that what he says is from God and uh, what God says is unreliable or irrational. 2 Corinthians 11.15 talks about Satan sending his minions as ministers of righteousness. He will try and trick people into thinking that what they say is what God is saying. He'll discredit men of God. We see that even in the Bible, where Satan tries to make the man of God sound crazy. Uh, we we see that even today. John ten twenty, he said of Jesus, "He hath the devil and is mad." Why hear ye him? In Acts twenty six twenty four, it said of Paul, "Thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad." And Satan will always try to make Christianity appear oddball or out of the mainstream or or uh, men of God appear uh, like they're crazy. And that's what he did even in the Bible here. So we need to examine the source of what we hear, uh, and we need to use the word of God to be the decider of truth. So what we saw how Gideon did it here, he learned that the visitor was who he said he was. Uh, Notice that Gideon here uh, brought a present in verses 20 through 21. An Israelite would quickly recognize God in this when the when the uh, staff was put down and the fire uh, went up because uh, the fire on the altar always spoke of God. So Gideon, in verse 22, the Bible says, he perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. He knew now, it wasn't his imagination, uh, because his present is nothing but ashes there. Uh, He uh, had put it down and it all burned up. Only God could do that with an offering that you lay there. Gideon did two things here. Uh, that we need to do when God reveals His will to us. The first thing he did is he sacrificed to the Lord. His sacrifice was his present, Uh, especially when you consider the times in which he lived. There was not an overabundance of these things, and yet he made this uh, for the Lord. His submission is seen in following uh, God's direction as to what to do with the present. So he first sacrificed to the Lord, and then he submitted to the Lord. Uh, He had all the confirmation that he needed and then he started to do what the Lord told him to do. Jesus said in John 7, 17, if any man will do his, talking about God's will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Confirmation of God's will for our life, his calls on our life, are, is never achieved by a disobedient person. And so Gideon, uh, here in his obedience and in his sacrifice, uh, is getting this confirmation. All right, look at verse number 24, and we'll close with this verse. Uh, Then Gideon built an altar unto the Lord and called it uh, Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day, it is yet an opera of uh, that word. All right, go back to verse 22. Uh, I want to just touch on this too. When Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. Uh, You know what? He would die. That's the the general belief. There, we can't see God face to face. We die. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto you. Fear not. Thou shalt not die. Uh, this great event, uh, this happening, obviously demanded a memorial, and so he built an altar, named it Jehovah Shalom. This name means the Lord is our peace. Uh, the altar of Gideon shows that he had come a long way in the short while. Uh, since his heavenly visitor showed up. Now, we've spent three weeks since he showed up. We've talked about this progression. I know that this wasn't a long time, and yet much was happening in Gideon's heart here. It shows three aspects of what's been happening in in his heart, the wisdom of his faith. Gideon's altar indicated that he learned where the source of his peace was by what he named it here, Jehovah Shalom. Uh, He learned that it was only Jehovah who would bring peace to men. Men have tried and continue to try countless ways to manufacture peace for themselves that leave out Christ. And they never achieve it. It is only achieved through the Lord Jesus Christ. Gideon's altar proves that he recognized this. And then the worship of his faith. The altar speaks of worship. That is what true faith does. It worships. Worship is essential if he's going to serve as Israel's deliverer. Uh, Jesus tied worship and service together in the New Testament, Matthew 4.10. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You know what you're going to do to whom you worship or what you worship? You're going to serve it. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. I tell you, most people in the world today, they're serving mammon. They worship mammon, and therefore they serve mammon. They live their lives trying to get more of it. Collect more of it. Lay up more of it. And uh, that becomes their master. You will serve who or what you worship. And as we said Sunday, everyone worships someone or something. Everyone worships something. All right, see the wisdom of his faith, the the worship of his faith, and the witness of his faith. The altar uh, would have been a witness of his faith. It was a courageous witness because he built it right in the vicinity of his father's altar to Baal. So he's not afraid to stand up and declare his loyalty in the midst of this idolatry to Jehovah himself. Listen, like Gideon, you are in a pagan world. More and more don't we see this to be true in our daily existence. If you don't believe me, turn on your news tonight. In fact, we were talking to somebody the other day, uh, new spelling for the word sin. We've always spelled it S-I-N-C-N-N. Sin, that's how you say that word. Turn it on and watch if you're not a part of a pagan world today. Uh, absolutely we are. If we're going to take any kind of stand for God going forward, it's going to be in an increasingly hostile world. saw so on the news today, I can't even remember which state it was, but uh, Virginia, Virginia, Governor Northern made a statement that he wants uh, people to, he, they, they're providing phone numbers so that people can, Uh, anonymously report if churches are meeting. Uh, this uh, This is scary times we live in today, and we need to take that stand for God. If you limit your witness to only a sympathetic crowd, you're going to have very little impact. And we're starting to see Gideon now make the turn into being the man he needs to be to be Israel's deliverer when he built this altar. And as we continue next week and, and the weeks going forward, we're going to see more and more why his uh, why that title fits him well. Again, I love it. Back in in verse, uh, uh, oh, where was it in uh, verse eleven, uh, verse twelve, verse twelve. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, "The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor." Now we've we've had some we've had some serious discussions about Gideon's not a mighty man of valor yet. I, I have that picture of when God said that to him, Gideon looks around to make sure who he think he's talking to because he certainly didn't see himself as a man of valor, and he wasn't a man of valor until, he, until God got a hold of him. He started, started to do what God told him to do. And so uh, it's important uh, that we uh, understand that even in our own lives, God will often uh, see us more along of what we can be than what we are. That's a blessing. Uh, because he did so with Gideon. You just let him work through you. So those are, that's our challenge for tonight. If God's call, and he will, he will have a plan for you. He does have a plan for you. If we are going to be faithful in it, uh, then we need to respond the way that Gideon eventually did here. It took him a little bit. Uh, it's a lot better if we just... I, I like in, in the New Testament when you have both Joseph and Mary. angel comes to them, they immediately... As you say, so it'll be. They just listened immediately. That's better uh, than some of these uh, others that uh, it took a little convincing. What a sad thing it is when we, God, you don't know what you're talking about. You're making a mistake, Lord. And we respond like that, like Gideon did, Moses did. And uh, let's just be submissive to him immediately. Father, we thank you.